It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanisha. We just want to say thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listener today. And remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure you give us a five-star review. We appreciate, really, really appreciate that. And just to let you know, today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by Bet Online. We got a lot of good stuff on board for today. Um. What advantage do the Braves have over the Philadelphia Phillies as they get ready to have first pitches coming up really, really soon? So make sure we're going to talk about that. And the Falcons just have to play cleaner. We'll discuss that and how they can do that. And also, and last but not least, and for the culture, Tom, come on, bro. (laughs) And there's a rumor that a certain – Savvy veteran may be headed to the Atlanta Hawks. We'll talk about all that in for the culture. But first, we have to talk about Max Free versus Ranger Suarez. T, it is going down. It is not necessarily the Phillies ace, but it is definitely the Braves ace. Max Free has a guy, is a guy that has done pretty well in these day games. You know, the Braves mm-hmm. haven't done well as a team as a whole. They're 24 and 27 overall. Mm-hmm. Um for the businessman special, but I think that with Max Freed on the mound, T, I don't know about you, but you know, I'm feeling a little confident with, uh, with, with our ace going to the uh, to the to the mound. Yeah, I was gonna say the same. I think that all of those woes that they've had with the businessman special come at the end of a series, not the beginning. So I right. do think that that could make a difference. I also think the Braves, collectively and even individually, are on a mission. You have right. Matt Olson who's on a tear, and I, I really think he's on a mission because he has an opportunity now to do something he never had an opportunity to do before, which is content, be on a contender playing for a World Series. You got Ronald Acuna Jr., who helped the Braves to get in position last year, but was not there to help them to finish the job. So Mm -hmm. definitely, I believe he wants that opportunity to be an actual part of it. And then I think the troublemakers. Like, how cool is that? We now know that Spencer Strider, he was out throwing today. He's on the 26-man roster. The expectation is that if they need him to go in game four, he could be ready for in the NLDS. So you think about that piece and how motivating that is. Michael Harris II, you've been watching this your whole life. And right. now you have an opportunity to contribute to it. And Von Grissom won the same. So I just think overall, there are some motivations taking nothing away from what the Phillies have been able to do. But there are some motivations and there are some advantages that I'll mention in a moment. But I want to hear your thoughts as well. But yeah, there are some other advantages that the Braves have, too, that make me even more confident about what this series will look like. Tyler Massick isn't on the on the yeah. roster. And that's one of the things that kind of stood out to me when you think about you know, what he did last year and just mm-hmm. the, the epic just inning that he had, you know, you know, to help right. him prepare the Braves to that World Series championship. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, with him not being there, he definitely will be missed. But, you know, they have some good guys that are on that roster that are um that are raring to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, also Jake Odorizzi, 
he's on there. You know, yeah, that's that was a, interesting. That's a thing that was interesting as well. So, yeah. and and not Bryce Elders, but right. the, right. the cool thing about you know the baseball rosters and everything, it it, it resets itself, and they yeah. can figure out who wants to be on the um the NLCS. Once the Braves get there, yeah, yeah. You see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, speaking right. into an existence right there, yeah. LT. So I think that you know I'm not too concerned about you know um, Odorizzi being on there, mm -hmm. but you know he did have a nice little outing last time he we saw him. So not too not too um, not too concerned about that. Now, when you think about this 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 series as a whole, though, T, mm -hmm. I, I think there are some players that I feel like we should expect to have a good series. And I, I think that, that that guy for me has to be Ronald Acuna, nephew Ronnie, like we mm -hmm. like to affectionately refer to him as. I think that that's the guy that has been chomping at the bit to get an opportunity to yeah. go out there and show what he can do when the lights are shining the brightest. And I think that he is probably one of the brightest and um, um brightest players in the game young mm -hmm. players in the game and i think he wants to prove that because you could just see how he when he was celebrating for the for the uh that fifth um fifth um you know east title in a row he was just so excited you just saw the exuberance that you know come over uh, that came over him when when they uh and that final out and i just think that it's something there i think it's something there and i think ronald cunha is ready to put on the show yeah, and I'm going to go in a direction that is a little off the beaten path because you guys have already heard me talk about Matt Olson. Right. I can throw Austin Riley in there as well because he's he's had some really great career numbers against the Phillies, regardless of maybe, you know, his up and down swoon for the last few weeks. But I'm going to throw in the outfield because the Braves outfield is outstanding. Right. The Phillies have problems on defense. They have problems right. on defense. So I think that that is something to where, especially if for some reason you find yourself in a close game, I would trust the, the defense of the Braves versus the defense of the Phillies. And maybe that's something that's not talked about as much. But again, in a, in a game that's tight, I choose them. And then my, my B, again, going to go a little bit off the beaten path, is I believe when you put bullpen to bullpen and Tyler Matzik is out, and David Robertson is out. I'm going to give the Braves the ability to manage through their bullpen minus Tyler Matzik, although we know how stellar he was last year, than maybe the Phillies being able to manage their bullpen without David Robertson. I'm just kind of reading up on and what their beat writers are saying. Mm -hmm. That's a serious loss. Much more serious than maybe the our media team down here mm -hmm. is saying about Tyler Matzik. So watch, watch that. We'll see how that may turn some things. And 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 to be honest, to add to what you're saying, like the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen wasn't that strong in the first place. <laughs> and you know why, what I mean? That's, <laughs> so, that's that's actually what that, that was my that, that was my key to this series. I, that mm -hmm. that was my thing. If the Braves were going to win this series, they have to get to the bullpen. And then mm -hmm. when you're talking about them losing one of their guys, one of their guys that they actually can depend on, yep. that's the thing that you have to pay attention to. And I think that that's the Braves are going to be more than willing to um, take advantage of that because they did that against Ranger, Ranger Suarez last time. You know, he pitched an excellent well, yeah. in six innings, and then it all fell apart. And yep. the Braves went with Hamill. You know that's that's they did really well for my people in Dunwood who don't understand what Hamill means. Uh, <laughs> they they actually went you know and and went on it and, and win that game handily. So I, I think that's going to be the the big thing for me as far as for, for the Braves. They have to 
get to the bullpen. I understand they have those some really good pitchers coming up and Suarez and Wheeler and, and yeah. Nola. But mm -hmm. if you can get to that bullpen, I think the Braves will be fine. Same. Absolutely same. Absolutely now, same. Now, for me, I think, you know, we look at it from the perspective of looking at the roster and kind of seeing it, you know, whether you go piece by piece or whether you talk a little bit about uh, the 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 roster overall, I kind of feel like that's the other piece collectively and even individually, but I'm just going to go collectively. Mm -hmm. Collectively, I just think the Braves up and down the roster, they're just better. Like yeah. they're just yeah. better. And yeah. I think here's the funny part. You know, we, we of course, connected with our girl Maria Martin on uh, Sports Extra on Sunday. So mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about maybe that standout player in this series. The funny thing is when the three of us started talking, we went all over the place. That's what I loved about the conversation because <laughs> the three yes. of us did not have the same person, right? Right, yes. That speaks volumes to the Braves. That talks about something that we all know and love about them, which is a versatility. Yeah. Yes, they're power. They can beat you in so many ways. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yes, their power at the plate, but what underlines those home runs would be extra base hits. What underlines mm -hmm. those home runs is the ability to steal a base. Oh yeah. Those are the kinds of pieces that that I think really will give you really make it difficult to call a standout player. You know, I chose Michael Harris the second, but I also said whomever you would choose or Maria would choose, it all makes sense to me because I believe any and all of these Braves can step up and make something happen. No doubt about it. We are looking for uh Oyeka a Kongu to step up. And the Hawks are, you know, financially back in that so they uh picked up his fourth year option as well as they picked up jalen johnson's third year option um today and i think that you know uh t when you think about these type of moves like not necessarily the splash moves but mm -hmm. um just something that you know that, that you know that some of the young guys who have flashed and shown that they can play basketball yeah. They're actually making sure they're sticking around, you know, mm -hmm. for that. Because, you know, you don't need some guys that aren't necessarily making that mass contract type deal. And I yep. think Oyeka Kongu and Jalen Johnson are definitely those type of guys. And I really like that because it feels like there's a reward there. there it's, it seems like Nate McMillan saw those guys progressing. I mean, Onyeka Okongu, it really goes back to the season before. Because, yeah. like I say all the time, if you want somebody to give a big trouble, and this takes nothing away, of course, from Clint Capella, but if you really want us to know the player on this Hawks roster for the past two seasons who's given Giannis Antetokounmpo and everybody else fits, it's double up. It's been Anyeka Okongwu. So you need that presence, that person who really can comfortably go between the four and the five and make stuff happen. A nice backup. I, I'm so excited about him because, and also from what he's been doing over the summer, I think the Braves, uh, excuse me, the Hawks looked at that and said, hey, we see him trying to get that mid-range jumper and kind of add to his yeah. toolkit because we you know where he is offensively but i think they really see that piece and then i think the other piece there is this as you mentioned with jalen johnson there was a stretch where literally jalen johnson had like 11 of 11. it was something crazy and watching him play for the skyhawks uh being on their broadcast team for a couple games you could truly see the maturity from maybe the first game that i called with them to the very last so i'm excited about that as well and like you said that's just the hawks saying hey we've got some pieces right here already who know the system understand the system buy into the system who can back up our big guys our big keys and you know just really fill out this roster and and give us depth 
the Falcons have found out they, they have some pieces to be able to compete because, you know, they're sitting at two and three. They actually was in a battle against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the top of the NFC South, and we all know what happened in that game. But there yeah. were some other things that we need to talk about and have pay mm-hmm. attention to because the Falcons need to play cleaner if they want to be able to continue to compete in the mm-hmm. NFC South. We'll talk about that. But first, T, we have to talk about betonline.net. So I did a little surfing, did a little research, and I, I started going through up and down the, the betonline.net website. And, you know, I was looking for some information because I was trying to figure out what does the spread look like for the Falcons against yeah. the San Francisco 49ers. And they're sitting here, and the 49ers are favored by five and a half. Now, I know you're saying, like, wow, at home? Yeah, you know, normally the home team gets three points, and then – but so that means that, hey, these teams are closer than what you may think. So if you need some more information as far as like, OK, now which way do I bet, Jarvis, now that you explain it to me like that. Mm-hmm. BetOnline.net has all of that information just for you, whether it's in podcast form. They have all of every, everybody, all the experts trying to tell you what you need to do in order for you to win some money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and if you're not into the, the, to the spreads and everything like that. And you want to kind of do it, make it a little easier for yourself. You want to bet the over or the under. The over or under is 43 and a half. So, hey, if you're trying to figure out which way you need to go, go to betonline.net today. It is your, you can download it on your mobile device and get all the information and news that you need to make the best decision because bet online is where the game starts. So, Jarvis. After getting past the referee debacle on Sunday, if you have actually gotten past it, if your ATL sports is done, yes. you can also look at the fact that the Falcons kind of had some other things that low-key kept them from winning that game. So, yes, we can point to those last two plays, if you will, but real talk. It's about the fact that they also played out of character. And what we mean by that is the, the Falcons have really done a great job this year of cleaning up some things that Arthur Smith talked about over and over again in the offseason. Did he not, Jarvis? Mm, yes, he and did. Literally, and I remember asking him a question about pre-snap penalty, penalties. And when I tell you, I saw a vein raise up and pop out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> As well it should. Right. <laughs> As well it should. The Falcons really took that to heart, and we saw it play out in the first three games. The fourth game, however, Elijah Wilkinson in particular had three by himself. So I think about the fact that the 49ers, you know, very formidable opponent, you have to play a tight game against them. So I wonder if they need to make adjustments, if any, to actually play a clean game against the 49ers, or if it's one of those situations, which I think it may be as well, where you just go back and you say, okay, what what was causing Elijah Wilkinson to try to get off the line that quickly, or why weren't they able to play a clean line and at least eliminate that as being the reason for them not moving forward? You know what? I think it's just a matter of, I think it's a combination of both, like you mentioned. When you think mm-hmm. about that particular play, you know, that there's something that, you know, that's yeah, you, you just have to work on. There, that's yeah. something that has it's all about repetition, like knowing and understanding yeah. the timing of that of screens and knowing that hey, I cannot go down the field when I have a field that that quarterback hasn't thrown that football just yet, or mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota has to get the ball out quicker, or he yeah. has to get rid of the football quicker. And I think that that's something that we know that hey. There are some things that Marcus Mariota needs to do better. Yes, and that may be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> that that's, has to be one of them. Because 
we've it's a pattern when it comes to the Falcons getting penalties. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, because when you think about getting down to that red zone and you get a penalty, then you backed up. And then you have to throw the football and then your play, your play sheet shrinks, right? Like I can't call that run that I was probably going to run on four on second and goal mm-hmm. on the three yard, on, on a three yard line going mm-hmm. in. I can't yeah. run that on a second and on third and goal or, or second and goal. And it's you know, I'm on the 14 going in. So mm-hmm. those so it's, things just change. And it's almost kind of like a snowball effect when, yeah. when it comes with the Falcons, because that's why you end up in situations where a young way is kicking a field goal longer, much longer than what you would like him to be doing oh, at yeah. this moment. And I think that that's something that, you know, you don't want to have to do as an offense because, you know, at the end of the day, like they were two for two in the red zone. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Arthur Smith likes scoring touchdowns. Yeah. And I think that's what you're going to need going forward running this style of offense. You're going to have mm-hmm. to put six points on the board. And I think that's what they need to do. And when you think about, now and I'm not and I'm saying this, but the Falcons were the second least, you know, penalized team in in the NFL, right behind the um the Los Angeles Rams. So mm-hmm. it's not like this was a a pattern or this was something that we were used to seeing consistently. Right. It was just something. It was it was kind of like an aberration. And I think that mm-hmm. you know, obviously, you got to get credit to Tampa Bay because they kind of forced that on them sure. by putting that pressure and 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 making sure that Marcus Mariota was uncomfortable in the pocket. So. Mm-hmm. But I think that if they, like I said, they're working on the timing of the plays and making sure they're holding what they're holding their water when they get down into that red zone, like you, like you said, like you, um, you always talked about that low red zone. Like you have to, you have to be perfect, and, and I think that that's not too much to ask when right. you're a team that hasn't been ha- hasn't been penalized that much in the first place. Exactly, and if you can keep it clean, then you can find yourself in a situation where you have more opportunities like we saw with Avery Williams being able to go that eight yards and take it in for the run because you can establish the run without penalties. When you get into third and long situations and you're trying to move the chains 10 yards, 15 yards sometimes because you keep backing yourself up, that makes it more difficult for what has now become a first run offense to actually execute. So when we look forward to the 49ers and we know that's one of the top defenses in the entire league. And you think about what the Falcons were still able to do. It was decent, but when you pull the numbers kind of back, the average for yards per carry was good Yeah, because you had Caleb Huntley over four and you had Tyler Algier right there at four four, uh, yards Mm -hmm. carry. But the numbers themselves, when you dig down, is a little bit more challenging because they didn't quite get over the 100-yard mark as a collective. So I'm thinking about that like, hmm, wonder if people are starting to figure out, okay, this is a first-run type of offense. We got something for you. And if that's so, then let's just get to a point in place where maybe we do something like we'll talk about hopefully in a moment, or we'll bring it back to you guys tomorrow. Maybe we'll do something like find uh, work on this week, giving our running backs an opportunity to become playmakers as pass catchers. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I think that, you know, that's, that's essentially what they did right in the second mm-hmm. half, I believe, you know, when you talk about getting the ball out of hand, how to, how to Marcus his hand really quickly. So you don't have to sit back there and say, Hey, oh, here's my first read. Not there. Okay. And the second read. Oh, not there. Oh, here's my check down. No, yes. that's not, that's not, that's not ideal for that's, the yeah. team in the way game. the quarterback, that's not his game at all. So I think that, you know, because 
Arthur Smith talked about just coming into this game. He knew that Ty Bowles was going to send pressure. And I, I even made a comment during the game. I tweeted, I was just like, why is Antoine Winfield making tackles in the backfield three yards in the, three yards behind the line of scrimmage? Like, like if the safety is sitting up there chilling like that, hey, yes. yeah, that means something, yeah. something is open deep. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, leave it an extra blocker so you can doggone see if you can doggone take advantage of that or exploit that. Because, and you saw that a little bit. When they um on that screen pass to Cardell Hodge because literally T he had a lane to a straight lane to the end zone if he would have caught yeah. the football and I think yeah. that those are the adjustments that you see you saw Arthur Smith make so mm -hmm. the teams can be aware of that because whatever you put on film teams are gonna try because I I actually saw something on film like the first couple of games I think it was against the Saints mm -hmm. and uh. They were they were running like a counter play where the backside guard and tackle were getting up and coming around and everything and uh, Adi Ongadeji looked like he didn't want now they're that and guess what teams uh, Rams <laughs> you know <laughs> the Seahawks everybody they start running the same thing because yes. what you put on film people are gonna emulate especially mm -hmm. if it's successful so I think that the Falcons have to be cognizant of teams having the safeties walk up and getting up into the getting involved in the run game and I think mm -hmm. Arthur Smith. I believe wholeheartedly that he's gonna mm -hmm. ha have a uh, have a counter for that because yeah, you, you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready for that when it comes to the NFL because it's a copycat yeah. league. Whatever you put out on film, people teams are gonna try to find it and exploit it. Indeed, they will, and we'll talk a little bit more about that on the defensive side because that actually that same walking up that the secondary walking up those corners, those safeties to the line of scrimmage and being ready to make sure that those running backs did not get to the second level last week, that could actually prove very, very powerful for Debo Samuels. But if you guys want to hear a little bit more about that, let's do it this way. Leave us some comments on your thoughts on what the Falcons can do to actually stop Debo, or we'll say contain Debo Samuels. And we'll talk about it from your perspective in hours tomorrow. But today, we got to tell you guys about something that'll get you through. Now, listen, we know in Atlanta, nobody really needs an energy boost right now. Everybody <laughs> is on one in this city, whether you're on one because the Braves are playing game number one in the NLDS or you're on one because you're excited that the Hawks shored up a couple more players in Anyeka Okongu and Jalen Johnson, or you are excited because you know what? You, your Falcons, they're not going to stand for it. Your Falcons are going to come back and do the darn thing. Maybe you're one of those people. Maybe. You're somebody who stayed up last night worried about the outcome of game one in LDS. If that's you, you need a built bar. You yeah. need a chocolate puff built bar because you know what? That is something that you can take as a snack anywhere you go, any time of the day. And it's not going to weigh you down because we're talking only 160 calories. So that's not something that you have to burn off, even if you get frustrated during the course of the Braves game, right? <laughs> also, you're getting 15 grams of protein. So that's building you up and giving you the good good while it's 100% real chocolate. Here's what I like, guys. You can also watch that Braves game, kick back, and as they're winning game one, you can enjoy your Built Bar as a I don't know, maybe a gift to yourself, right? <laughs> maybe a little gift to yourself. <laughs> Want to know more about Built Bars? Go to BuiltBar.com and you can put in the code locked on on your first order to get yourself a discount. This is one of the premier chocolate bars. I know I'm not a chocolate person and I like it, the puffs. And Jarvis likes it as well. He is a little bit more of a chocolate person. So take it from him that it is indeed a good look if you are a chocolatier. Again, that is BuiltBar.com. Locked on is your code. Get your discount 
right now. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to say thank you for rocking with us throughout the entire show. We really appreciate you guys. You guys have been absolutely killing it when it comes to the support, liking, subscribing, and downloading our podcast wherever you get it. Uh, we are up over 4,500 4, subscribers. <laughs> excuse me. We really yeah. appreciate you guys for that in advance. But T, this is For the Culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture. And sometimes, what do we want to talk about? Because that's just how we get down. Today is no difference. Because, you know what? I ain't going to even introduce this uh, this, this, this clip, T. And I'm just going to have fire this bad boy off, and then we're just going to respond. Have you been lobbying or asking for some late hits there? I don't, I don't throw the flags. Hmm. <laughs> So that was Tom Brady after immediately after the game. And, you know, we've been talking about it on ATL Day 1s, Mark Zeno, A to Z, you know, hitting hard with John Chuckery about how bull crap of a call that was the rough right. and the passer that Grady Jarrett, you know, sacked on Tom Brady on. And I think that the reporter, if you didn't hear the reporter, asked him about, you know, was he politicking for, for a call? And it was clear on the video of the yes. sack that yes. he was clearly asking for where's the flag. Yes. And then... Magically, a flag appeared. You know, he's somebody. I don't throw the flags. You don't throw the flags, but you show acts for him. So yeah. yeah, we need you to admit to that, bro. Cause that that's absolutely ridiculous. Cause we know Tom gets a little favoritism. I don't mind that. You know, some from time to time, but that's absolutely ridiculous because you're affecting outcomes of the game at that point. Yeah, and we know you throw tablets, you throw flags, you throw a lot, and you don't have to <laughs> physically throw the flag in order. Like a petulant child no. around this. Yeah, world. It's just like yeah. shade. Yeah. You don't have to Should physically throw, degree. To throw shade. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, so you don't have to physically throw a flag to throw a flag, but that's what you did. And right. what you really did in that whole situation, and maybe Jarvis, it'll turn out for the good, but I'm not really sure. And here's where I'm going with that. Mm -hmm. Because of some of the situations that took place over and over and over again with pass interference and what was actually a catch, yeah. then the NFLPA along with the NFL went back and kind of reviewed where they were and they kind right. of you know moved the needle a little bit right so now here we are with this whole roughing the passer piece so maybe what happened with not just tom brady and grady jarrett in last night's uh, excuse me sunday night's game but last night's game actually right. with uh, chris jones and right. i believe david carr those maybe those situations had to happen so that the league can understand it's not just supposed to be reactionary because of what you saw with two of Tungo Bailo, albeit very, very graphic and unsettling to see someone not even have the ability to use their hand because mm -hmm. the muscles had gone involuntary at that point because right. probably partially paralyzed to be real. Right. Right. But that shouldn't be your only onus. I hope actually that these other two things don't, these other two instances don't actually get lost in the shuffle and we, then the the league is just reactionary. I really hope they sit down and think about this because I, I think one of the things that Chris Jones said post game, which I thought was very valid was, what do you expect me to do in that situation? I did the best that I could to not bring these 340 pounds on this guy. I don't mm -hmm. know what else to do if you want me to also do my job. And I feel like that's where the league should start because you've right. made everything such that the quarterback can do his job and do his job extremely well. What about and for a long time, a longer period of time as well, too. Yeah. Exactly. What about yeah. the guy that's defending? What about the guy that's prevent trying to prevent him from doing his job by, by doing his own job? So I don't know. I really hope that maybe the rules committee is taking a look and saying, wait a minute, 
the defensive guy may not need the same type of protection as the QB, but he needs protection too so that he can do his job. Yeah, because at at the end of the day, that's something that, you know, the quarterback isn't the only player on the field. And that's what it seems like with all these rule changes and, and, and being catered towards offenses. And like you said, like the rules are being catered to the quarterback to the point where, like I said, they are – there be a lot of play longer. Tom Brady is 45 years old. I don't care yeah. how good he is. Right. That's not supposed to be happening in the NFL. If you right. play in the NFL for that long, that's that's just not supposed to happen because and that's the only position we're really seeing that happen, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's on that's the only position we've seen these guys playing into their late 30s and up into their 40s and Tom in his mid 40s. So yeah, like that's something is wrong here. There, I think there's a bigger picture. Yeah, true enough. The roughing the passer, it was a bad call. It was a horrible call. They need to figure out how to fix that. But, mm-hmm. like, let's think about where we're headed here. Like, because yeah. at the end of the day, like, you know, you got all these cats, you know, these offensive guys getting mm-hmm. all these jobs because of these off these inflated offenses. And then they're getting head coaching jobs and they're not doing well. <clears throat> Nathaniel mm-hmm. Hackett, you know, like all the, it's just, and, and you got like guys like D'Amico Ryans who have been coaching probably one of his co- best coaching jobs ever and he's a former player he's not getting those opportunities so i think that we're so offensive minded when it comes to the rules the players protecting the players on offense and like there's nothing that puts the defensive players in consideration that's why i think that what chris jones said he said we're really about player safety mm-hmm. for everybody like let's look at this bad boy let's make sure let's make sure we're not being reactionary in the moment because guess what would happen if you wanted to say let's just say they wanted to review that play right or that was reviewable mm-hmm. you would have threw the flag in it initially like okay and then you go back and look at the tape like oh snap that wasn't as bad as i thought it was mm-hmm. let me make this right and yes. i think that you know those are some of the things that you need in this game because hey people make mistakes i don't care about you making mistakes but mm-hmm. if if it's a mistake that you can correct that's when it's i don't mind you making a mistake but if it's something that you can't correct and it had an effect mm-hmm. on the outcome of the game that's why i have an issue and i think that that's something that i believe that the nfl has to take a look at too yeah i i would agree as well at this point we're we're at the point in place where that the conversation keeps coming up as it relates to affecting the game when it starts to affect outcomes of games, that's a problem. When Big you problem. are seeing categorically that positions, like a, a whole group of position players essentially have to think before they play. This is a reactionary game. This is a game of instinct. And right. I thought that actually, I thought Grady Jarrett and Chris Jones both did a great job of reacting with a few seconds to kind of think about it. But you know, Jarvis, you've played, you know, it's not always like that. You know that a lot of times it is react reactionary and instinctual. And Mm -hmm. if you, and thinking about it this way too, going back to what Chris Jones said, if you as a defensive lineman or a linebacker, or you just, you know, part of the pass rush, because we know with the Falcons, anybody can rush the passer. But what if you're one of those guys who thinks for a hot second too long and you get injured? because you may be froze in the moment and somebody's coming at you full speed. Did anybody mm-hmm. ever think about that and what that could do to a defensive player because he's so busy trying to not hurt somebody? So yeah, mm-hmm. I do think that this is an opportunity for the league to right the wrong. And maybe, as much as I hate to say it for you know the Dirty Bird Nation, maybe what happened to Grady Jarrett won't be in vain because it will have started a conversation about this is some foolish, this is some tomfoolery. 
Absolutely. And I think that Chris Jones speaking so eloquently about it after the game in that moment. And I think it says a lot about what needs to happen in the NFL. And I think that that's something that we have to definitely keep an eye on. But real quick, T, before we get out of here, there is a rumor. Sean Sharana is reporting that the Hawks are in conversation with the Suns about trading for Jay Crowder. Could this be one of those moves? You know what I'm you know you know how I'm feeling. I want to get your thoughts. I yeah, this could be one of those moves, T. What, what's that you? Those moves. You know, <laughs> we have all said it. Let's just be real about the thing. We have all said that we don't necessarily think just because John Collins is going into this season with the Hawks that he will end this season with the Hawks, right? Mm -hmm. So there's an opportunity for there. And, you know, he's kind of a swing anyway. He can go small forward. He can go power forward, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I think that if you get someone or if you have an opportunity to get someone like Jay Crowder and you don't have to give up the world for him, which I don't think you do with the Suns, quite oh, yeah. honestly. At this point, they they want to get rid of him. They said they're going to get rid of him. Yeah. There it's already go. in place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as long as he's somebody that you feel after you do your research, you feel that he can actually add something to the locker room as well, because that's the other piece. You don't want to bring somebody in just because they fit from a statistical standpoint. This team has done a magnificent job of trying to fit together during the uh, training, excuse me, during uh, training camp and, and during summer league, right? Mm -hmm. So that's my only caveat to it. Yes, I am intrigued. Yes, we will see what happens. But yes, we hope that he's the right fit all the way around. But like you said, intrigued by a lot of things and hopefully intrigued by talking about how the Braves were able to get the win in game one of the NLDS. We will talk to you guys about it tomorrow. Of course, if the Hawks make any moves tomorrow ahead of the Cleveland Cavaliers game in Cleveland, we'll talk to you guys about that as well. Anything happening on this ATL sports scene, you will know about it right here, or you'll know about it with A to Z with Mark Zeno, and you can check it out on Amazon Fire or Roku. So come back tomorrow. Don't forget to leave your comments about what you think the Falcons need to do about Devo Samuels, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. Have a good day. Y'all come back now, yeah. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.